episode 16 of the Buddy Ball podcast. Today I'm joined by Gabe Rogier, my friend from Sports Business Classroom in 2019. Gabe is a microbiologist by day and sports fanatic by night, and is also close to getting his MBA on the side. Pretty impressive stuff. I wanted to bring Gabe on today to talk about the Orlando Magic. The Magic have compiled a bunch of losing seasons in the past decade and enter this offseason with the 5th and 8th picks in next week's draft in a clear rebuild. We talk about the highs and lows of the era we'll label the Nick Vucevic era from 2012 to 2021, the decision to trade Vuce, Evan Fournier, and Aaron Gordon at this past year's trade deadline, and what the Magic should do this offseason with two top 10 picks. We end with a discussion about the path to the Magic experiencing a Hawks or Suns-like jump in the near future, and the impact of playing in a small market and being owned by the DeVos family. Awesome episode ahead, but first, Chicago! Hey, Gabe, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, buddy? Doing well. I'm still trying to get used to this six-hour time difference that we have. It's, I don't know, it's just trippy to think about. It's 7 a.m. where I am and 1 p.m. where you are. So that's interesting. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. So I, I wanted to start. So I brought you on here, by and large, to talk about the Orlando Magic. But I wanted to start just talking a little bit about you. Uh, and kind of the work you do. So I, I looked up your LinkedIn like I do with with most of my guests. And I guess the place where I'll start is, so you're getting your, your MBA or just got your MBA? Yeah, so I'm still working on my MBA right now. Um, should be done in 2022. So I'm going like a class at a time because I do online classes and I work full time. So I'm almost there. I'm just glad I'm almost there. <laughs> I saw that a lot of your work is in sciencey fields, ah. like microbiology specifically. So I'm I'm wondering your decision to combine that with an MBA because it, it seems like it's, you know, usually two separate career paths. So like what, what was your logic there? Well my logic was I got out of school and realized I don't want to be a doctor. I kind of like business more than I like science. And what happened was I kind of got into the job that I'm in now, like in the industry I'm in now. And I mean, it pays the bills right now, but I kind of wanted to do something that revolved around business, ideally sports business, which is why I went to sports business classroom. And so I guess whenever I decided, hey, I don't feel like this is going to be what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. That's when I decided, hey, I'm going to go get my MBA and then maybe we can reset the clock a little bit. That's awesome. I, my two cents is it's never too late. So I think that's great. And in your Twitter bio, you mentioned future sports, something or other. <laughs> Can you explain the like what exactly you mean by that? Like you're just hoping to do something in sports, something in basketball specifically, maybe? Um, I wouldn't even limit it to just basketball. I like all sports. I would focus on basketball because that's the sport that I feel like I know the best. But in terms of sports, something or other, I would say sports comedian, sports front office person, sports commentator, anything that would fall in that, I think is somewhere where I would want to be. And I just put something or other because I just like to catch that wide net. <laughs> I could definitely see the kind of sports comedian, sports commentator. Uh, I, <laughs> I follow you on Twitter and I frequently see your tweets that I'm always surprised like they don't get much interaction but I always find them super funny. I'm like, why is this not like a like a mainstream <laughs> Twitter account that's getting tens of thousands of likes? But you have a good combination of kind of just giving your unfiltered personal thoughts. But also, I always like when you put out some trades, like some hypothetical trades. So one mm -hmm. of them that that caught my eye that I wanted to get into before we talk about your hometown team, Orlando Magic, is I don't remember what date you posted this but it was somewhat recently and it was a three-team trade between the thunder mm -hmm. rockets and pistons that that you seemed 
pretty interested in that I I actually like too. So in this trade, the Thunder would mm-hmm. receive the number one pick in the draft and give up Shea mm-hmm. in the sixth pick. The Rockets would get Shea and give up the second mm-hmm. pick, and the Pistons would get the second and sixth picks and give up the first pick. And I actually can really see the rationale from all sides, especially if Detroit actually likes green, like similarly to Cade. So I, I was just wondering like how you came up with that construction and like, what do you think from all three sides? So with my job, like I have a lot of free time, not, not really free time, but I get the freedom to listen to a lot of podcasts and then it's, I guess I just like think about things and I can combine things. And then that's how that comes up. And the rationale comes up. It's like, all right, Oklahoma city, this was their goal the whole time to get the number one pick. And they got kicked in the teeth when they got the sixth pick. Um, Shay's about to get expensive, but he might also age out of what you're looking for. So why not just give up what you have now, get the number one pick in Cade, Oklahoma state guy from Texas. So you know, makes perfect sense to build around him right now. If you're Houston, you have you get Shea and you have KPJ. If you want Christian Wood, you can keep him. I mean, that sounds like a, at least a playoff team to me. And then if you're Detroit, if you're Detroit, you probably should take Kay Cunningham because he's a step above everybody else in terms of his ceiling and his floor. But if you really want to bet on Jalen Green, I think Jalen Green has the athleticism to where his ceiling may be a little bit higher than Cade, but his floor might also be lower if he can't put it all together. So if you're willing to take that risk, if you really believe Killian Hayes is that point guard, and then you get the six pick, you can do whatever you want with it. Why not go for that? I think it would be, I think it makes perfect sense. Like I said, I actually like it from all three uh, parties perspective. And I, I think another thing is if Detroit can get someone who can hit with that sixth pick. And it seems like, in my opinion, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit later, there's four guys who I am pretty confident are going to turn into something pretty special. Then there's mm-hmm. a lot of guys after that that have a lot of talent, but I'm less confident in. And mm-hmm. as we'll mention later, your magic have the fifth and the eighth pick. So if, if you have similar logic to me, uh, yeah, but and you you brought up a good point about Killian Hayes. I feel like that just because of kind of you see it as you're supposed to see it as a sunk cost. And no one really talks about that. And he was injured, even though he was a seventh pick. So people mm-hmm. kind of forget about him. But, you know, he's a kind of player who shooting is not a strong suit. And it seems like he kind of needs the ball in his hands. That's a very vague term. But Cade also needs yeah. the ball in his hands. Although I would say he's, he's superior in every way. And that kind of makes Killian Hayes expendable. Yeah. And I mean... It was kind of weird last year in, in Detroit. The two rookies they took after Killian Hayes were both like really good. Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay and Sadiq. Uh, and Killian just kind of got left behind. But yeah, like I said, I, I actually really like that construction. It just I think the biggest thing is the Pistons passing on Cade when it's like the Pistons have been in this purgatory for so long and they finally get this, you know, this, it's this sure thing. Right. This beaming light of hope or whatever you want to call it. And then you trade down. Like You have to be sure that those second and six picks are really are really hitting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just an example of like one of the trades that you put out on Twitter. And I'll, I'll link your Twitter bio in this episode description. So hopefully more people follow you because I think you put out great stuff. I wanted to get into the Orlando Magic now. And I feel like the Matt and you probably feel this way too. The Magic are just not talked about a lot and some of that is for good reason like if you you know don't get past the first round of the playoffs for what since 2010 or before that something like that you know there's not a lot to talk about but I read a book recently uh, built to lose by Jake Fisher which is kind of about these like tanking teams and like the not very good teams I guess from like 2013 to 2016 and the magic were one of the teams talked about And the place I wanted to start is one of the problems that the author identifies is it wasn't like they were drafting that poorly or they had, you know, not great young talent. Like at at one point they had Oladipo, Tobias Harris, Alfred Payton, Vooch, Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, all on the same team. Maybe at, you know, different points in their careers, they were all relatively young, but some were rookies, some were already getting paid. But 
one of the problems that the author identifies is there was no like main guy. So like if they were trying to put up billboards in Orlando, like who are you really putting up there? That just kind of seemed to be a problem and no one really took the next step. And then, yeah, there are a bunch of trades that happened that we'll get into a little bit later. But this problem of no main guy to build around, did you also think that was kind of the root of the problem in those years? That was part of the problem. One of the problems is I think they tried to make someone, they tried to make somebody a main guy, but Vucevic wasn't a main guy. Who they probably should have tried to make the main guy was Oladipo. But Oladipo, he had a lot of injuries, little inconsistencies. And I mean, one thing led to another and they just decided, hey, we'd rather not continue with this. But now that I think about it, yeah, there was no main guy, which is kind of sad if you're drafting in the top 10 for like five straight years. And I know it's a lot more complex than this, but it must be a little frustrating to see teams like like Phoenix or Atlanta, like kind of be bad for a number of years. And then you just get that one like catalyst playmaker kind of guy. So I, I guess we'll consider Chris Paul the guy, though Devin Booker, you know, is also there. And obviously Trey Young in Atlanta. And like a few years later, like you you don't you don't remember that the Hawks are one of the worst teams in the league the last four years. You just remember, wow, they're in the conference finals. They're this up and coming team. And the magic they're one of the worst teams three months ago. Right. They yeah, I mean, yeah they've yeah. fired their coach. Exactly. Yeah. You were definitely all over that on Twitter. I, I saw a few tweets about that. It, it just seems like <laughs> just kind of going back in Orlando magic history, doing some research. I think I was a little too young to really understand the trades at the time. So I, you know, I I'm 21. So in 2015, 20, 2016, I was like, you know, a freshman or sophomore in high school and didn't really understand it at the time. But two trades in particular, I was wondering if you uh, remember anything about them. So the Magic paid Tobias Harris. It was like four years, $64 million. And then it maybe had to do something with like they needed a primary ball handler or they just wanted something different. <laughs> they traded Tobias Harris for Ursan Ilyasova and Brandon Jennings to Detroit. At the time, were you like a fan of that trade or were you like, what are we doing? A little bit of both because when you watch, like coming up in like 08, 09, we all knew Brandon Jennings because he had like the best mixtape ever. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's a little exciting, but then you forget like, oh, he's just coming off a knee injury. And then it's just like, okay, what are we doing? Like Tobias Harris is a really good player. It's cost controlled, then you're going to trade him for Brandon Jennings and her song. It was, it was yeah. slightly depressing. <laughs> so this is kind of building off of that. So the trade that I, there was one trade that I had to point to, not even in magic history, just in recent history that I'm like, what? 2016 draft night, the magic trade, Victor Oladipo, still on a rookie scale contract, though I think he was extension eligible that summer. The number 11 pick, which turned out to be DeMontis Sabonis and Ursan mm -hmm. Ilyasova for Serge Ibaka on an expiring contract in addition to sign. Right. And in addition to, I think that, that was the summer that they signed Bismack Biombo to that huge deal as well. I Well, he, he did have a good playoffs for the Raptors, but basically you're trading the 11th pick who actually turned out to be something and Victor Oladipo, who, Maybe was the you know most promising young guy they had over this this time for mm. two like shot blocking bigs that can't really play together, and then they traded Ibaka a few months later for Terrence Ross. So did yeah? Did you have any takes on that at the time? So we got Terrence Ross. So I'll say two takes. One, Victor Oladipo became an All Star. Demonis Sabonis became an All Star. Ibaka won a championship and we were just left watching. <laughs> right. That's one. Now here's number two. If we spin it this way, who do you think has the most trade value now? Terrence Ross. So, you know, it's still a loss, but you know, it could be a worse loss. That's a good point. Yeah. It was nice what? that they were able to retain Ross a couple <laughs> summers ago. I, I think it would look different if he just left in free agency. Um, yeah, but, but okay, no, that was the worst trade I've ever seen. That was <laughs> there, there, there was, there have been a lot of bad trades. That one was just egregious. So when did the new 
regime come in? Was that before the 2017 draft? So did they draft Isaac? Or I'm not sure, actually. I want to say 2017. I want to say it was 2017. So I don't yeah. think Hennigan lasted after that because they didn't make the playoffs again. Right, right. But getting to a more positive note um, during this era, they actually made the playoffs once they brought in Steve Clifford and maybe established a defensive identity somewhat, uh, which is actually pretty oh, yeah. impressive given Vooch, is, Vooch mm-hmm. was the center. But they, they made the playoffs in both 1819 and 1920. And yeah. I was definitely a victim of this. I don't know if you were. Maybe you were more so as a Magic fan, but they won game one in both of those series. And especially that Raptors series, it's like, wow, the Magic are in the playoffs for the first time. And people are actually looking at their roster like, oh, they have a, they, they have a, like, I, I recognize all the, like, just, well, not, not me, but like the casual basketball mm-hmm. fan. Like, I, I recognize all the names in the, in the starting lineup and they go into Toronto and DJ Augustin becomes, I don't even know like some, yeah and he, he hits this he hits this game winning shot and the magic are up 1-0 on on the raptors was that kind of the high of your magic fandom in a in a long time that was the high of, of our whole decade pretty much <laughs> they go on to lose four consecutive games but even when it went back to orlando for game three i was like okay it's 1-1 they're, they're going home maybe the crowd will really show up and I mean, the Raptors won the championship, so it's it's not like they, you know, they had pretty stiff competition. But they also won Game One against the Bucks. I'm pretty sure, though that series was when the stoppage of play happened. Kind of, right, right, (laughs) sure, sure. Uh, But I feel like people don't really remember a lot of the basketball moments from that series because that's like the, you know, the Bucks were the team that. It started the stoppage of play, and so they were involved. The, the Magic were involved in that, but it seemed like at, once they restarted, the focus really wasn't on on basketball. And but the better yeah, team, yeah. the better team really really prevailed. But anyway, the Bucks or the the Magic won Game One of both of those series. So you you come in to the 2020 season, and obviously it's super weird with COVID and all that. But it's you know pretty much the same cast of characters. They drafted mm-hmm. Cole Anthony, DJ Augustin left in free agency. And then it was just another, it, it started off. A, well, it actually started off pretty yeah, well. Started, correct me if I'm wrong. They were like, six and oh, yeah. 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 They were, First they were six and oh. Yeah. Well, I, I remember that because I, I was trying to figure out like trades that like, I, I was having DeMar DeRozan go there, but then I'm like, oh, that doesn't really help the shooting. And I was like, okay, the 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 magic are contenders. Like, like what what moves can they make to get better? And then, you know, Isaac didn't oh, play you, at all. You fell the trap. That's what happened. Right. <laughs> Fultz tears his ACL. I I Fournier missed so many games with back spasms. Uh, and you know, kind of the snowball effect that the magic had seen. A lot of these years just piling up losses, but you get to the 2021 trade deadline and there were some rumors about Fournier. There were some rumors about Mm. Gordon, but there weren't really rumors about Vooch. Um, I think they kind of shot that down and people were kind of like, well, you know, they still have talent. Um, They'll probably run it back. They'll, they'll get a somewhat high draft pick, whatever, like they'll, maybe next year will be the magic's year and out of nowhere. So the first trade that they made, if I remember correctly, was the Vooch trade where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, like he's going to the, the Bulls. Oh, OK. Uh, and we can get into the specifics, but they, they got Wendell Carter Jr., who, you know, hasn't yeah. turned into what people thought he would be. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he has one more year on his rookie deal and he's he'll probably start next year if he's still on the team. And, and so I wanted to ask you specifically about they got the Bulls top four protected first round pick. And at the time, immediately, I was like, the Magic are probably getting a pick in like the eight to 12 range. Like that's like if I was offered just that for for Vooch, I would, you know, probably say yes. I mean, there was no guarantee that it would convey. It may have been not in the lottery. It could have been a top four pick, but it ended up being Mm -hmm. number eight. So just mm-hmm. that in a vacuum, like, are you pretty happy with that? Um, I was ecstatic when we actually, so the thing about the Vooch trade is it's not that we didn't want to trade Vooch. It's that we didn't think we could get value for Vooch. Right. And somehow Chicago decides, Hey, we're going to trade two picks and Wendell Carter for Vucevic. And it's like, Oh, okay. 
And that was that was the point where it's like the magic fandom's back. We're here. We're finally at the bottom where we needed to be this whole time. And they continued it by trading Fournier. And it didn't seem like they got much in return for Fournier, but those that are a little bit more into it understand that they got a $17 million trade exception because they didn't t- take back any salary, which basically means they can be a dumping ground for a bad contract this summer and Super get additional yeah. picks. Right. And then Aaron Gordon, they got Gary Harris, who's still on the magic one more year on his contract, but the real assets were RJ Hampton and a future nuggets pick. So, you know, they, they really blew it up um, at the deadline. And was there a moment after you, they traded those three guys that you kind of came to terms with the fact, like, I guess you have to consider the rebuild a failure because you didn't even win more than one game in the playoffs and you're going back to square one. But at the same time, you're like, let's just have one, one regime in place. Let's do this right. Let's really start from scratch. What was your mindset there? I was like, I've been on the rebuild because like when we made it to the first round of the playoffs and we got housed by the Raptors, I'm like, okay, this is over. Let's get out of this now. And <laughs> we kept on going and it's like, let's get out of this now. And then when we got to the trade line deadline, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect much as a magic fan. You never really expect much. And then when that happens, it's like, Oh, all right. They, they actually listen to us. They care. Like, we're on board with the rebuilds. We just want you to do it. And they did it. And we, it's like, it gives you a sense of like new life. If, if that makes any sense. <laughs> it, it's like, it does. We're not yeah. Gonna, we're not going to be in purgatory anymore. And that's just kind of a good, because you either want to be good or want to be bad. Right. You kind of don't really want to be in between because then you're the Indiana Pacers. And that's just, that's, I feel like that's rougher than being a magic fan, honestly. Now let's get into the current state of the magic. And, you know, so they had, they finished the season with, with the third worst record, but their draft pick went down to five, which, you know, I guess is heartbreaking or, you know, it hurts, but it's not like, it's still a top five pick. And as, as we mentioned, that bulls pick became number eight. It actually had a, I think it was like a 20, 25% chance of jumping up to the top four, but Mm-hmm. It did not. So it's the eight, so it's the eighth pick. So five and eight. I think you can either. I don't know if any of the teams higher than five would be interested in, in this, but you could package five and eight to move up, or mm-hmm. you just have two top ten picks that you can take really talented players. So let's start there. I don't know how much of a into the the draft you are in terms of scouting, but in what you've seen or what you've heard. Do you have any preferences with who the Magic should target with those two picks? So with five, I'm more Barnes than Kuminga. Mm-hmm. And that mostly comes from like whatever podcast I've heard. Like especially the biggest one was when Jared Jack went on with Ryan Rosillo. And Jared Jack did it. He said everything great about, about Jalen Green and didn't really say much about Kuminga, which kind of scares me. <laughs> Really going to put the work in like Jalen Green put right. the work in because Jared Jack went out of his way to tell us Jalen Green put the work in. But I also like Barnes a little bit more because I think he has a certain level of defensive versatility that he might be one of the guys that is able to guard one through five. And if you're the magic, you have an identity of we don't really have anybody who can score in the half court. So maybe we should double down kind of like what the Milwaukee Bucks did. Let's just double down on defense and just see what happens. We'll play hard. We know Scotty Barnes plays hard. I've never heard anybody say that he has a lackluster motor. So if he's going to go out here and play hard and we're going to play tough defense and get out in transition, we get a healthy Fultz and, you know, we can figure something out at least for a while before people will catch up to it. So my last podcast that I did was a, was a mock draft of the lottery. So mm-hmm. my guests and I, we each had, we each like drafted seven teams of our own and I made sure to draft both of the Orlando picks. So I could mm-hmm. kind of go through that exercise and actually be on the clock and then kind of report back to you because I, I knew that you would be the next episode. So the draft went normally or how people think mm-hmm. it's going to go. So it was Cade, Green, Mobley, Suggs, and you get down to five, and I was Orlando, and I was I was deciding between Kuminga and Barnes, mm-hmm. and I am actually a bigger Barnes fan than a Kuminga fan 
but clock was running down. I had to make a pick and I picked Kuminga mm-hmm. and kind of reflecting back on the process. I think I, I waited too heavily. I'm less into this like doubling down thing. Like you have Jonathan Isaac, who I get, he's not the same player as Barnes, but like, it's kind of, if you have two of those guys who are like this, these great defenders who can make up for other not so great defenders, but are pretty limited on offense. I think Barnes more so than Isaac. I just like, I couldn't really see how you build a competent offense with both those guys on the floor. But I, I think I was waiting that too much. And I'm actually higher on Barnes, like in a vacuum than Kuminga. But I was also thinking like, I was more confident that if Barnes would be there at eight, then Kuminga would be there at eight because I thought OKC, who the other guy had at six mm-hmm. would take Kuminga. But then, so I, I took Kuminga and then he revealed that, oh, I was not going to take Kuminga, like no matter who, <laughs> who, who you took. So I guess that's the game of chicken that these front offices play. But yeah, I, I think that's, that's pretty interesting that, um, that like, you know, doubling down on, on defense. And so let's say they take Barnes at five and then, mm-hmm. I don't know, just to mock it out. Let's say Kuminga goes six to Oklahoma city and book night goes seven to golden state. Who are you thinking about at eight kind of, given that Barnes is in place at five? Probably Moses Moody because yeah. we need a two-guard. And I, ideally, I would want Boot Knight, but Boot Knight is like flying up, which I completely understand. Yeah. So I guess the next one is Moody. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind it. I'd rather have Boot Knight, but yeah, I wouldn't mind uh, Moses Moody. I took Moody at, at eight. So I, I came away from that draft with Kaminga and Moody, but kind of after we had all we had finished all the picks. I was thinking like, I actually probably rather would have had Barnes and Moody and I could have had both of them probably. I don't know who, who he would have taken at six. He might've taken Moody at six. So that, that could have changed things. But let me ask you one more hypothetical. What if mm-hmm. Barnes is the pick at five and mm-hmm. then let's say Moody goes six and Book Knight goes seven and Kuminga still on the board at eight. Do you kind of double down on I, I get that they're different players but like body mm-hmm. type they're somewhat similar like they're kind of these three four combos that the magic have specialized in over the last couple of years how would you feel if they took both of those guys i mean the best part about the magic is we're in the contention cycle of where just take best player available and figure yeah. it out <laughs> so if that means it's kuminga and barnes take kuminga and barnes we'll figure it out if they can play together great if they can't we'll we'll keep the best one like it's a wing so the best thing about a wing is nine times out of ten they're going to keep the trade value so i wouldn't i wouldn't be mad at that i would you know largely classify kuminga uh moody and i guess i guess barnes as wings although barnes i guess would i would say is more of a big um but getting into the magic's guards and centers um so they have three guards that i think are they somewhat see in their long-term core Fultz, Cole Anthony, and uh, RJ Hampton. And then bigs, they have Wendell Carter Jr. and Mo Bamba. So mm-hmm. I guess I'll just keep speaking from this mock draft exercise. So at eight, I took Moody, but I was just thinking about, I don't know, a guy like Josh Giddy or just some other guard. And I was mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, I kind of almost like, maybe not Giddy specifically, but like a, a guard in that range at, better than the other options I have available. I just think the magic already have a lot of young guards. And, and even like, I, I was thinking about that Sengun guy from Turkey. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about him, but I'm like, well, okay. They already have two young bigs. Do you, so any of those five guys, Fultz, Anthony Hampton, Wendell Carter, Jr. Bomba. Do you think any of those guys are good enough where you're actually like not trying to draft for either like a guard or a center because of that guy? Or do you think it's just so early in the rebuild and those guys aren't good enough that you don't really care? I don't really care. Like, I don't, I can't, it's hard seeing Fultz be that guy without the consistent three-pointer where the league is going. And it's not to say he can't do it because he does have a good mid-range jumper. It's just kind of hard to see that. And then he's going to put stress on himself. He already has one knee injury. If he's going to use explosion, he gets to the basket every single time. You need something to fall back on that isn't going to stress your body out more than what it's already going through. 
As for Bamba and Wendell Carter, they can both be on the team. Neither of them can be on the team. I don't think it would really make a difference. It just kind of sucks that we used that five pick on Mo Bamba. But the one guy I do like, and if he's willing to play the role, is Cole Anthony. And I see Cole Anthony in the form of Jason Terry. I think if he's willing to come off the bench, be a sixth man, get buckets, and do and play that role, then I can see him going to the next level of this team. But that might be the only guy, honestly. <laughs> RJ Hampton, I don't, I don't, like he's a small guard, but I feel like he's a two guard. And I don't know if he has a size to play two guard, even though he has the elite athleticism. I just don't know if he's killed. I mean, he still has room to grow physically, but right now I, I don't see him as a point guard and he's point guard size. I actually wasn't planning on doing this, but I, I think it actually is somewhat appropriate here. So I don't know the exact rules of an expansion draft because since I've been following the end, there hasn't really been an expansion team, but I understand the basic premise of it where you, you know, get to protect X number of players on your team. So mm. let's say, I, I don't know the exact number. I think it's probably more than this, but let's say the magic can, if there's an expansion team and they can protect five players. Mm. So I'll put the fifth and eight picks in as two of those. And unless you don't yeah. agree. Okay. No, so everyone else they have on the roster, they can protect three of them. So there's no chance that, that, they're not on the Orlando Magic unless the Orlando Magic don't want them to be on the team. Uh, and so let's just quickly run through the... So we've we've talked about those those guards and those bigs. There's Jonathan Isaac, Terrence Ross, Chumo Kiki, who hasn't been mentioned at all. I'm probably forgetting a few guys. I, I don't think you'd consider protecting like Michael Carter-Williams or something like that. But so there's a lot of, you know, different guys and different points of their careers. And let's say that you could protect three of them who would you pick Isaac for sure yeah honestly <laughs> it's, it's like you look at the roster and it's like yeah that's pretty much it and then Fultz and Anthony and I, I have so much uncertainty with all three of them honestly because I can't particularly guarantee that Isaac is going to be healthy going forward. I can't say that for Fultz either. Anthony also kind of plays a brand of basketball where he might be injury prone as well. So, you know, definitely five and eight and Isaac, just because like, if all else fails, I will be able to trade him. I know that for a fact. And then, yeah, Fultz and Anthony. And then I like Chumo Kiki, but it's scary to think that it's at a certain point, your roster has so much redundancy that you're just the odd man out. And I think that's kind of where Chuma's headed. And it's, I think the roster would look even more redundant if the picks were Barnes and Kuminga, because mm. you have those two guys, Okiki, Isaac. I don't know who I would pick, but I think it's pretty telling that um, the first guy... Yeah, and I doesn't know either. <laughs> well, no, I, I would definitely agree that, that Isaac would be the first guy that I would want to protect. But it's, mm -hmm. I don't know the word. I, I guess I'll say telling that the first pick, Isaac, that I think both of us would protect, he like missed the whole last year with the knee injury. And like, you don't even know what he's going to look like. I think I would also protect Okiki. And then I don't know about the third guy, maybe Wendell Carter Jr., maybe Cole Anthony, um, maybe Terrence Ross, because as you mentioned, he has some, some trade value. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So, okay. Um, so rounding out this discussion, so I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly summarize, you know, what the Magic's financial situation or more so asset situation looks like moving forward. So we've we've talked about this, these fifth and eight picks. Um, they're tw they're 29 million under the tax and I can't see them going over the tax for this team, but they have that trade exception, that Fournier trade exception for 17 million, which they could just absorb a salary and not send anything else back. They got the $10 million mid-level exception, $4 million biannual exception, and they have a Alfaruk Aminu trade exception as well for about $4 million. And they also have these two future first round picks, one from Chicago, one from Denver 
four additional second round picks and none of their picks are owed to other teams, which is a pretty good position to be in. Although at the end of the day, it kind of doesn't really matter unless you cash in those assets for something. Um, So with all that said, I guess, so I have two, two questions. So I'll, I'll start with this one. What would you want? What does your kind of dream magic off season look like? Very hot takey fashion. Like, is Darren Fox available? Because that, that is to the other thing Isaac that I for Darren Fox. Mm-hmm. I'm that, willing. That's to the other that thing I wanted table. to ask you. So the the trade that I saw on Twitter, I think it was Fultz, Isaac, and someone else for Fox. I mean. I just have a hard time believing Darren Fox is happy there just because of one in Sacramento and two, like there's really no hope in Sacramento. Like we're giving you a good wing who I honestly don't believe can stay healthy based on his slight frame and the defense that is required out of him. I just can't see it. So if we can cash out a little early and just like, let's get a star point guard because we kind of don't have one of those but we have a decent amount of wings. Let's, I feel like there's something there. I, I feel like we could figure something out. Maybe Sacramento gets a little better. I doubt it, especially with Luke Walton as a coach, but you know, <laughs> that's not really my problem. I would just rather have De'Aaron Fox because I think he's a superstar in the right context. He can be a superstar. The problem there is I think Sacramento thinks that De'Aaron Fox is a superstar. Like they gave him a five-year max kind of no questions asked. So I think if Isaac and Fultz were, I mean, they're more than matching salary, but if that's the way that you can match salaries, Mm -hmm. I think the Kings would push for the fifth pick or I think more realistically, the eighth pick. I'm fine. And then, well, I, I I just, okay. I'll ask you a a follow-up question. Would Mm -hmm. you rather be Orlando or Sacramento right now from a perspective of, well, Maybe this isn't the right way to frame the question because this this isn't the goal. But I I was going to ask, like, who do you think is going to make the playoffs first? Uh, But Mm. I get that that's not the goal. So, like, I guess if you were inheriting a GM situation, would you rather Mm. be the Magic or the Kings? I think I'd rather be the Magic because there are moves that I can – there are a few more moves I can make as the Magic than I think you have as the Kings. And then you also have to figure out the Marvin Bagley sunk cost situation. Right. Which is tough because that was a lot of draft capital you kind of wasted. But Sacramento does have this the star more star potential. So it's kind of half a dozen in one hand, six in the other. It's kind of tough to actually figure out. That's actually a harder question than what I thought it would be. <laughs> Yeah, just speaking quickly on the Bagway situation, I was listening to the the dunked on mock off season, and the the Kings were so the that Kings have the Kings have early bird rights on Rashawn Holmes, which basically means they can only pay him one hundred and five percent of the average player salary, which is like a little over ten million dollars in the first year. So they're yeah. I, I think the offer that that they're limited to is like four years, forty seven million, unless mm-hmm. they get the requisite cap space to offer more. So the Kings were trying to do that and kind of the way just looking at the roster that you have to do that is getting off of Marvin Bagley's $11 million because he was the second pick. So that's what, you know, you, you make in the fourth year. And it was just so sad thinking about like, wow, this guy was taking over Luca and Trey and it was like thunder. Like, would, do you want to take him on? Thunder, and, a super fun and, site. Take him on. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Danny LaRue, who was managing the Thunder, was like, well, you got to give me like a second round pick with him. And I'm like, that's I mean, it's not that it's not that I disagree, but like, that's just so sad. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. OK, I, that, think he, I, I think he's more I think if he got a change of scenery, I think it, would, it might work for him. He certainly wants think, a change of scenery. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think all hope is lost, but it's like you've been injured and you haven't played up to the requirements of a number two pick. So that's what kind of makes it rough. Right. So th- this is the question I wanted to end with. Um, it's pretty open-ended, but mm-hmm. we've seen, I, I'm, I mentioned Phoenix, I mentioned Atlanta, pretty much all of the teams who go from perennially bad to making the playoffs, you kind of need to draft or acquire maybe in the Knicks case with Julius Randle, some player who like definitively your best player. 
who you can point to like, mm-hmm. wow, that's, that's our guy. So that's my suggestion of, to the answer of my question, which is what is the pathway to Orlando, you know, getting more than like sniffing the first round of the playoffs. And this is probably more long-term, uh, but mm-hmm. I, I would argue that like they have to have that top end talent, which is really easy to say. It's more difficult to draft or acquire. But what do you think it's going to take for the magic to become this next Atlanta or Phoenix story? Don't rush it would be my my first advice. Like we're here. We're like if you up and down our roster is probably between 25th and 30th in terms of quality, depending on like who you ask. So once you're there, you kind of just got to ride it out. I would say the worst thing that you can do is misevaluate draft picks. So I think the focus would be to identify who you think is a star. Like if you think Chet Holmgren is going to be a star, then you have to figure out how to get that. And you have moves that you can make in order to like kind of guarantee that, whether it's trading Isaac whether it's trading whatever other young guy you think is available to someone else who you think that would make them better. Maybe it isn't Chet Holmgren. Maybe it's Paolo Banchero. If you like him, go get him. And I think it's, it's easy to say when it's like the draft and you're, it's all depends on ping pong balls, but if you see a star, you have to go get a star if you're in position to do it. So if that means you're trading, like, and I don't, like, when you saw Boston trade down to three because they knew Jason Tatum was a hit. I can't also blame Philly for misevaluating Fultz because everybody thought Fultz was a hit. So you can't just not do that because one thing didn't work out. If you are at three and you see a star at one and you think somebody's going to evaluate him the same way you do somebody else, you have to go get him. And I think the worst thing that Orlando could do was do that too early, which is what scares me because they've done that before. And that just goes back to my first point of like, Hey, we're not really in a rush. We can just kind of ride this out. We're going to get top five picks again. It's, it's, it's tough. It's tough because nothing's guaranteed, but I think the best thing about the team now is that we have somewhat of an identity. Like I said, if we're going to play defense and play hard and we're going to play tough, people are going to see that we play defense and we play hard and play tough the same way that everybody's saying, Oh, so-and-so is going to go to the Knicks. Well, he's probably going to go to the Knicks because they play hard and, when they were playing hard, that makes your job a little bit easier if you're a primary scorer, facilitator, things like that. So when you build that certain infrastructure around a star player, it's going to be a little easier to get that star. And whether that's drafting or whether that's identifying a free agent or things like that, it's just always understanding what you're in control of. So as the magic, you're in control of who you draft right now. And maybe later down the line, you're going to have control of who you, who you're able, who you're able to get in free agency, who you're able to trade for, stack your assets now, and in the future you'll be able to make that move. You just can't miss on the move. So identify what's going to fit with the team, and don't misevaluate everything else that's going on. That was kind of a convoluted answer, but it just no, made I... me think a lot because. <laughs> Because with Orlando, there is a roadmap and there isn't a roadmap because we have, I would say we have tier B players and we're looking for a tier A player to make all of that work. And we just got to figure out who that is. I thought that was a great answer, actually. And and I, I didn't really think it was that convoluted. And I <laughs> definitely wanted to ask because I think it's really easy. I, there, there's two ways of looking at it. There's let's say you're the sons and you go like, Oh, you just need to trade for a veteran point guard. That that's how you become from a, from a bottom feeder team to like a team in the final. So it was, so if you're a Suns fan, like that's probably what, what you think that's one way of looking at team building. But the other way is looking at what hasn't worked, which is kind of by and large been the Orlando case of the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought you offered great perspective as someone who's seen what actually has not worked. And then Mm -hmm 
you know, giving an answer that and the theme of your answer was like, stay patient, like stay the course. I think that's that yeah. was Philly's problem in a lot of ways. Like they, they didn't mm-hmm. allow Hinky to like see his process to like the end. Mm-hmm. So I have two follow up questions. Um, the first is we haven't talked about this, this new coaching hire at all. And one of the reasons why I think bad teams stay bad and this is a generalization, but I'm going to say it anyway, is that there's just, it's just a coaching carousel. And that that's yeah. been the case in Orlando. There's been Frank Vogel, Scott Skiles, uh, Steve Clifford, Jack Vaughn. Mm-hmm. I think I'm forgetting someone, but so Jamal Mosley, Dallas assistant was just named the magic head coach. I don't know how much you know about him, but do you have a feeling or what is your take on if he's actually like the long-term solution? Um, based on what I've seen with like when you're in a certain level of the contention window, you're trying to get from point A to point B. It's sad to say that Jamal Mosley's probably just point A to point B. What makes me a little nervous is his theory of we're going to play with pace and we're going to play with space. And I don't know if he's looked at the roster recently. Where's the space coming from? Difficult to do. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be a little difficult. I'm hopeful, but like I said, we're not really in a hurry. So if he can get us from point A to point B, if if guys play hard for him, I won't be upset. That's the biggest thing in terms of a coach. If guys aren't going to play hard, then we're we're all just wasting our time. So if they're going to go out there, if they're going to play tough defense, if he's going to change his philosophy a little bit, then I think he'll be a good point A to point B guy. Now, is he from point B to play like playoff contender? I'm not sure, but nothing says that he can't be that. I think that's a really good answer and, and kind of is a more nuanced way than how I was thinking about it. It's not necessarily a failure if, if he gets fired in a couple of years. The main way that you evaluate that is if the magic made progress. Like, you know, the yeah. like he, he could be you know, the Mark Jackson that, that develops Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, and then you get the Steve Kerr type that takes them over the top or, you know, the, the Kenny Atkinson to Steve Nash example. There's a lot of different, you know, examples that, that you can think of. Um, but I thought that was a good answer, you know, it, more so that the team is progressing and moving forward and not just kind of like stuck on this, this treadmill, if you yeah. will. Um, the last thing I, I wanted to ask as a follow-up is how from being a, a magic fan for you said your entire life. So decades, mm-hmm. how do you factor in the fact that this is the Orlando magic? It's not the New York magic. It's not the Los Angeles magic. So there's a difference in team building there. It, you know, Shaq mm-hmm. left Dwight Howard in the end wanted to leave. There's never really been a high level name there since then. So how does that change what you have to do from a team building perspective, given that you're probably as you mentioned, going to need to draft well, and it's not impossible. You, you saw what Oklahoma city did and they, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they could have, you know, kept James Harden. Maybe those other guys stay, stay for longer, but there is a pathway, but how does the calculus change that given that Orlando is, you know, a smaller market that maybe isn't thought of as like a, you know, a destination city from an NBA perspective. Yeah. So I think, well, Giannis did give us hope. He gave all small markets hope and, terms of signing the extension and winning a championship as a small market you have to show that extra level of competence and i can't really say the magic have done that over the years so you have to go above and beyond as the small market in order to retain your superstars and with Shaq, they weren't willing to go above and beyond they were willing to pay him this amount of money and the lakers said oh we're gonna pay him more what are you gonna do about it and he left. Um, Dwight Howard, I can't totally say that he would have aged perfectly, but he was our superstar. I think his situation may have been a little bit different with Stan Van Gundy and them butting heads. And we see that Stan Van Gundy butts butts heads with people. So I don't really know whose fault that was, if we're being honest. But in terms of the magic, you as the front office and ownership have to show a higher level of we're going to do this. And they haven't done that over the, over the years. 
I don't know if that's going to mean the DeVos family has to sell the team in order for us to get somebody else who sees the vision, but it might end up coming down to that if they really want to win the championship. Because if we're going to win a championship, you have to retain a superstar. We're at that point in time in the NBA where you have to have a superstar and the magic haven't shown themselves to be able to retain superstars. And there's only one common denominator and that's the DeRose family, <laughs> as sad as that sounds. But yeah, going back to the question, you have to show, you have to show that you're going to go above and beyond as a small market because yeah, LA can fail a million times and LeBron's still going to want to go there. So you can't think of yourself as LA. You have to think of yourself as we have to bring in the talent by drafting it, or we have to kind of do like a certain arbitrage the way Daryl Morey did with James Harden, where you have to see a superstar where other people don't see a superstar. And that's the extra work that you're going to have to do in order to get a superstar. And then once you have him in house, you're going to have to keep him. So I'm hopeful that things will change, but it's more so you got to see it to believe it. And that's the life of a Magic fan. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the DeVos family. I'm, I'm not going to get into it, but that's a whole separate podcast. There's a lot of problems there. There's been Ringer and ESPN articles that have chronicled, mm-hmm. you know, the, the differences between, you know, the racial and political compositions of NBA players and, mm-hmm. you know, the political donations of the DeVos family. I guess that's one way to summarize it. That's definitely part of it, but I don't want to get too political or yeah, we'll, contentious. We'll right, like right, at, <laughs> right, right. That that's for a separate future episode. But okay, I, I keep saying last last question, but but this is a quick one. You know, the draft mm-hmm. is in five days. I'm assuming you're pretty excited about it. Let's say the Magic keep the fifth and eighth eighth picks. Name two guys that they take there where you come away like, wow, this was a good draft. I'm really looking forward to seeing these guys in, in summer league if they actually play. I mean, if we're not trading up, I would like to see Barnes. I, I have faith in him. And I would also like to see Book Knight, ideally. That would be a interesting yeah. combination. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, if we can package five and eight to get to three or four or Suggs falls, because I like Suggs. Like, mm-hmm. I, I probably like Suggs a little bit more than others, but... right. If we can find a way to get him, I think I would come out like, okay, I have a little bit more hope than, than what I would have originally had. All right. I think that's a great place to end. I, I wanted to make sure to end on a, on a you know, positive <laughs> note because sadly, a, a lot of this conversation has been a little depressing, but, but Pain, you know, yeah. <laughs> the Magic ha- have the opportunity in five days if they draft the right guys to really, you know, take a positive step forward or you know with this long-term team building process so thank you so much for coming on i i definitely learned a lot about the orlando magic or at least a more like i said like nuanced way of thinking about the team uh but yeah thanks for coming on man no problem i love talking orlando magic paint love it <laughs>